Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Say if I was doing any better, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, I, I just talked to you for the first time yesterday. We've been texting back and forth. But uh, after I talked to you, I'm telling you, you, know, you don't need any Red Bull after you've been talking with Come on. Isaiah Salazar. He's just this guy just fires you up. <laughs> I love it. Brother, you are on fire. I Thank mean, you, come man. on, man. This is a great time to be alive. And I'm saying I'm so proud of what you guys have been doing. You know, I mean, this Thank you. since you put me on blast on your little video with my name attached to it, you know, my phone got lit up, you know, and everybody <laughs> and their cousin, this guy's calling you out, John. You need to get a hold of them. I said, look, this guy's going to find me one way or another. Yeah, so that's how it's going to be. So here we are. I love it, man. Well, here we are now connected and so I'm super excited to have you on. Can you hear me? Yeah, me too, brother. I'm just very excited. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, you're good. Awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I know there's a little bit of delay okay, on the internet, yeah, but we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out tonight. It's going to be a great night. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Very so, excited. John, I would love to start with maybe who you are, maybe some of your testimony, and then we'll go into, I'll, I'll ask you more questions as we go about Lonnie, about the Jesus movement, but let's just, man, who is John Rutke? Because you're not just, I know a lot of people have been interviewing you about Lonnie, but of course, you're not just Lonnie's <laughs> best friend or Lonnie's roommate, you know, back and forth. I know it was like eight years you guys were, and then you took care of him some as he passed, which we'll talk about later, but who is John Rutke? Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of your story, your testimony, and then kind of how you got into even meeting Lonnie. Well, I was um, saved in like in the midway point of the Jesus movement. So I wasn't at the very beginning with everybody else. But, um, it, you know, it's so funny. You were mentioning your mom listening to Keith Green. Keith got saved at the same time I did. Wow. He got saved up in L.A. I got saved down in, uh, in the Ventura area. And okay. uh, at, that at that particular time, I remember there were so many of us coming to Jesus. There was... It was like a gill net that went out throughout all of everybody got saved in my whole realm of friends and and people. I, I didn't have any idea how much God was moving because you're in the middle of a movement. You're mm -hmm. in the middle of it. You don't have any idea that there's a gill net and there's just tens of thousands of you coming to Jesus. And so. They, these older guys put together like a coffee house because we had to have some place to come because there were okay. so many of us. And they just did like an open storefront kind of a coffee house. And we'd all meet there just to hear the scriptures, just to hear anybody talk about it. Because mm. if you read the New Testament, brother, you were now the leader. Come on, you know? come on. I was I, like, I was confused about Elijah and Elijah. You know, if somebody knew that <laughs> yeah. difference between those two, I was following them, man. But uh, Keith came into our little coffee house, and he had just gotten saved like I did. And Keith comes in there, and there was a piano, and he starts banging on that piano. And when he started banging on that piano, I mean, it was like, brother, the anointing of God came off mm. that piano. And he had just gotten saved just like I did, and he's already has the song of the Lord. Wow. I mean, it was like amazing. It was amazing. And so... Uh, there was all kinds of things that were happening. Um, I 
personally had hitchhiked across the country as a Buddhist. And I was very devout Buddhist. I was wow. led my whole family into Buddhism, led all my friends into Buddhism. I I was uh, all about it. It was the t- a hippie time period. So, you know, Eastern mysticism was a big deal. You know, we were involved. It's kind of like the New Age movement now. Yeah. But uh, I came out there, out hitchhiking across the country as a very devout Buddhist and just very, you know, uh, you know, drawn into that. So as I was hitchhiking across the, uh, the country, um, you know, as I got closer to California, I was running into more and more people that love Jesus. Mm. Well, I wasn't used to that. You know, I was used to like structured kind of a church thing. So I was raised a Catholic myself. And so very, you know, like mechanical, not any too much reality of, mm. of the of the spirit of God. I love the storyline, but hey, you know, I didn't see that much. And then you start doing drugs and you start doing hallucinogenics and you've already been thrust into the supernatural. You know, that's real. Wow. It's just illegally. You do it illegally. So, you know, as I'm coming out there, I knew there was a supernatural realm, but, you know, I was exploring all the different perspectives. And so as I uh, came to uh, Utah, I always wanted to go swimming in the Great Lakes. So I go, uh, I as I was hitchhiking, I would clean up in like different places. And I was outside of uh, one of the universities there. And I was in a bus station just kind of cleaning up. And this other hippie, I was a hippie, he was a hippie. He's looking at me. He says, hey, man where are you going? I said, San Francisco. And I, he said, well, I've always wanted to go. I have a bus ticket, but can I hitchhike with you? I said, sure. Yeah. Be happy. He says, Oh, before, before we start this, I got to tell you something. I said, what? He says, I love Jesus. Mm. I said, I'm a Buddhist. I said, that's awesome, man. We can have a good dialogue about this. Well, this guy really had an encounter with Jesus and he wasn't cussing. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't looking at chicks, everything that I did, he, he didn't do, you know? Yeah. So we, we go to the, in swimming into the great salt lake. And I remember we looked like prunes after we went into that thing. And we were having to hitchhike over to San Francisco to be with his family. So we are hitchhiking together. He's just talking about Jesus and how the love of Jesus. And dude, he had a blowtorch. I had a plastic fork, you know, mm. as far as my apologetics went, you know? And not to mention that his life was like glowing, you know? Wow. And I'd never seen that with another hippie. Are you kidding me? No, I'd never seen that. Wow. So we, I, I go and stay with his family for a week and everybody in his family loved Jesus. Everybody in his neighborhood loved Jesus. This, wow. this is the Jesus movement. Come on. Everybody's saved, man. You know, it's like, I didn't know anything about this world. So I, they tell me, hey, John, we want to, uh, we were wondering, it's a Wednesday. They said, we were wondering, you want to go to church with us? I said, on a Wednesday? Who <laughs> goes to church on a Wednesday? I've never even heard of that. I said, well, sure, you know, I'll go with you. I go there. Man, there's about 100, 120 people, and they're all my age. Wow. Everybody was my age. There was no old people there. And like there's girls there and they're like lifting their hands. And I'm just going, what is going on here? And the guy that came out and preached, he was a hippie. Mm. And this guy was bringing the lumber, man. I mean, whoa, this guy was preaching. And he was one of the main leaders of the Jesus movement in Northern California, who actually is one of my best friends. Okay. And so, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't even know who he was until 40 years later, but 
anyway, so I'm I'm uh, listening to this guy. So I have some questions. And I'm asking him some questions like, hey, man, I'm a Buddhist. You know, what what are your thoughts about that? And he said, did Buddha die on the cross for you? I mean, this guy's like drilling down hard. Come on. Going, I said, brother, listen, man. I mean, don't put, put me on the spotlight with all these people here. So, <laughs> you know, like uh, this, these are things for me to think about. Okay. So I go and I. Uh, ended up heading down to Southern California to go to college down here. And and so I'm just like, you know, thinking about these things this guy was saying, and it was really impacting me and affecting me enough. So I hitchhiked once I got down to Southern California to Santa Monica, to the Buddhist monastery, to mm. talk to the Buddhist monks. Cause I, you know, I'm just asking questions. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what, what's the reality here. You know, yeah. I think truth and reality are synonymous kinds of terms, mm. you know? And so I'm, asking the monks about this and i said hey i ran into people called born again christians never even heard the term didn't even know what that meant i just that stuck with me mm. you know so i asked these guys and they said oh born again christians very persuasive stay away from them well i was coming down here to play on this football team and i needed to make the football team in order to get so i didn't have to pay for that gig so, you know, I just put all my spirituality on the shelf and yeah. ended up, you know, making the team, getting everything together. And then what happened was my roommate, who was a defensive back, I was a quarterback, uh, you know, he started dealing drugs. So we had a plentiful supply of drugs and we were partying and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it got to the place one day where I was I was asking those deeper questions. That's why I believe there's a revival coming yes. to the universities. The Spirit of God's about ready to drop over onto that woke minefield of absolute ridiculousness. Come and on. He's about ready to punch a hole through that mem membrane, and he is going to draw people in like you could never imagine, ever. Mm -hmm. So anyways... I go up one this one day. This was like Cinco de Mayo, 1975. I'm going up onto the college campus, and I had this, this kind of a prayer in my mind. And this is the only prayer that I said. I said, God of the universe, because I didn't know who God was. Mm. You know, I hadn't quite figured any of those out. I said, God of the universe, you need to tell me who I am. You need to tell me who you are. You need to show me. your. I'm just, this is in my mind, in my heart as I'm kind of cresting that hill and I go up to the and I'm hanging out in the quad with all my boys you know and we're all hanging out and talking and this guy comes over runs across the the uh little uh quad that we we're in there and he comes up to me and he's got horn room glasses he's kind of a nerdy type and he said Jesus Christ is who you're looking for mm. just like that I'm just going Jesus Christ Oh my goodness, how could I have missed that? I said, What must I do to be saved? In wow. front of all my friends. Wow. I said, How do I connect with Jesus? And he just led me to Jesus right there in front of my friends. Wow. And it was incredible. He said he he was a Baptist kind of a guy. So he says to me, Um, listen, as you come into this, stay away from people who speak in tongues. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, like no. I'm just going. Yeah, I'm just going, I'm rebellious enough to just go. I was thinking to myself, I don't even know what he's talking about, but I don't <laughs> want to be put in his box. Yeah, I definitely do not want to be put in that guy's box. So I need to go find some people that spoke in tongues. <laughs> That's so, a hippie in you. Oh, dude. Yeah, no, man. No, wait a second. What's this all about? You know, 
So I, one of the first places he took me actually was John MacArthur's church. Have you ever oh, heard of John no. MacArthur? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I know no. So, like, I, I mean, I'm a hippie. I've got, I'm blue jeans, flip flops. I go into this church and everybody's kind of like straight laced. And I'm just going, is this what you got to look like to be a Christian? Yeah. I'm, man. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I just had no idea. And it was soon, you know, that I, you know, left that little deal that with that guy and but I, thank god for that brother you know i mean he led me to the lord and he took me through the gospel of john and wow. like enough so and then he he said my wife and i want you to go to this christian camp for kids you know they're all my they were all my age and there was like 200 of them i just gotten saved i mean i was supposed to go seven on seven drills all summer long with the football team and i was a quarterback i was a starting quarterback and mm. i told the coaches hey I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I, I I have to go back home to the East Coast because I'm from Washington, D.C. I got to lead my family to Jesus. Come on. <laughs> no, man. I had, I mean, that, there was a fire already. So I go to this camp, you know, it's like three weeks later. I go to the camp. I told the coaches, I'm not going to do this. And man, for a solid week, just the scriptures, memorizing scriptures, I mean, I was already a college student, so I'm already used to those kinds of things. And I remember memorizing John chapter 15. Bro, by the time I had that thing memorized, I was chewing the cut of that thing. Mm. And it was like when I understood the whole dynamic of who Jesus was and what he actually did for me, I I could there, – there was a rumbling on the inside of me. Come on. It was coming up. And the, I was feeling this power and this presence. And I had to go down into my room because this is a Baptist kind of thing. I had to shove a pillow in my mouth because I was ready to start shouting. Mm. And so this kid sees me and he says, I know what's going on with you. So he takes me over by, he says, I can't do this around people. So we got to go over by the pool. So I go over by the pool and he's kind of a small guy. And he says, you got to kneel down. He lays hands on me. And I thought I swallowed a nuclear reactor i mean wow. Wow. bro the power of god came on me so powerfully it was like oh billy graham needs to go into retirement i'm gone i'm coming on the scene <laughs> Come on. I mean, this is just so i ended up hitchhiking home from there i hitchhiked back to the east coast this was the main mode of transport in that time period so i hitchhiked back home I led everybody to Jesus, whoever picked me up. I couldn't wow. stop. I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. That's why we call us Jesus freaks. Mm. And I go home, led my family to the Lord. You know, I'm a twin, so she was the most difficult because, you know, you know, she's yeah. like, who do you think you are? Yep. Yeah. Are you, are you now the preacher in the family? I said, look, I'm just, they, I, I brought the whole family together and I said, we made a long turn, guys, because I led them all into Buddhism. It's Jesus. Wow. <laughs> they said, what? Are you a Jesus freak? I said, I'm not sure about the freak part, but I'm definitely with Jesus. I love it. So called all my friends, called all my friends. They said, guys, I'm in town. Let's party, man. So all my friends are coming over to see me. And I had a Bible and a chair. And I just waited for each one. I lined them up like LAX, you know. Nobody left until they gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, man. I love it. I love <laughs> it's just it. That's how it was. Everybody got saved. Everybody got saved. I didn't even know 
I, like I, I didn't get the gift of tongues immediately. Like after that power God hit me like that, mm. if the kid would have just said, just there's a gift of tongues. I didn't know anything about it. You know? Yeah. And so I, I led my brother, my younger brother to the Lord. And first thing uh, I did was I led him to the Lord. And I said, Marty, also Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He said, what does that mean? I said, I'm not sure. I just read it. So I laid Come hands on. on him. The power of God knocked my, the power of God knocked my brother off his feet speaking wow. in tongues. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the Lord was starting to move with real power, real dynamic. And we just read the Bible and said, okay, let's, let's try that. So my mom had rheumatoid arthritis. So my brother just was yelling in tongues. I said, dude, be quiet before mom hears that. You know, she'll think we're <laughs> nuts. So, so he, he said, well, it was a fire that came over me and I couldn't, this language just burst out of me. I said, well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's the Lord, you know? So he said, what else is in there? I said, Jesus is healing. What people. else is in there? Hey mom. <laughs> Come I said, on. hey, mom, come. could you mind coming down here? Because we want to pray for you. You kids, I'm sick. And, you know, she's old school Catholic. I believed in Jesus the whole time. And you yeah, with that yeah, stupid yeah. Buddhism. You know, I said, I know, mom, you're right. You're 100%. You know, but mom, listen, we want to pray for you, for you to get healed. She says, wow. what? I said, mom, we're just going to lay hands on you. But we don't know what we're doing. We just read about that Jesus come also on. heals people. I love it. So we laid hands on my mom and she said a fire shot through the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Boom. She got healed. Wow. I mean, we were, this is how we got introduced to Jesus. Come on. We just read it and we just did it. You know how the scripture says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Come on. We took that for real, man. Yeah. We took that for real. And so now you've got hundreds thousands of hippies that were doing nothing but doing drugs doing nothing but you know drug sex rock and roll that was that mm. that was our that was our mantra for that that culture you know getting swept up the most unlikely people Isaiah wow. the most unlikely people to get saved on the earth was a, that group right there wow and so and, what do you sorry go ahead no. And so, you know, I, I just think that we're on the cusp of something like that again. Yeah. I believe what's happening right now is that on steroids, you put the, you take the Zeus Street Revival, you take the Jesus movement, you take the, you know, vineyard movement, you throw it all in, put an exponential 10 behind it. And that's what we're about ready to come into. Come on. Now, here you are, you've been, you experienced that how excited are you right now seeing a resurgence of not only the history of that movement now is being talked about on a mass scale i think they said the jesus revolution movie did like 20 30 something million at the box office like it's exploding people are going yeah. and watching it it's getting extended how excited does that make you that that's you know archived in history people are talking about it they're excited about it and there is like a yeah. wave of revival happening right now like i've i've never seen i mean i got saved revival broke out similar story to you just sharing my 
faith with everybody. I'm just like, man, God heals, God delivers. <laughs> Miracles are for today. Words of knowledge, yeah. words of prophecy. Yes. I really yes. felt like everyone, the animals could get saved. Yes. I mean, I was, yes. I was going everywhere <laughs> telling everyone. And now we're seeing a resurgence of that type of passion, that type of mm -hmm. zeal, that type yeah. of radical tenacity where they're like, wait, religion? What do you mean? I don't, I don't care what religion says. It's like, oh, wait, yes. you, like these yes. young people that God is raising up, they don't care about the religious guard telling them tongues aren't for today. Miracles yes. aren't for today. Yeah. Casting out demons aren't for today. You know, you got to go through five, six years of Bible college. Like there is a generation that God is raising up. That's just radical. They're passionate. They're going hard for yeah. God. They're online. Yeah. They're getting, they're yeah. reaching millions and millions on TikTok, millions and millions on Instagram. Yeah. And they're doing uh, outdoor park events. I'm just seeing this happen and I'm going, Lord, mm. You're doing it again. You're doing it. Mm. God, and mm. I want to say this to every person watching. There's a few thousand people on here. God is alive and well in this generation. God is moving and pouring out his spirit on all flesh. There's no one on the sidelines. Amen. There's no one on the bleachers. God is calling every single person to get off the sidelines, to get on the front lines, and to get involved with what he's doing. And so, man... What a time, John, to be alive. What a time Amen. to experience the power and the presence of God. And I would love to hear maybe a little bit about some of the parallels from what God did then. Now we're starting to see them happen again. And then also, let me just piggyback on that. I want to know your honest thoughts on the movie. What, maybe what, if, if I watched the movie and didn't know Lonnie or what was happening, maybe what's some, something you could fill in the blanks for us? Because many of us went and seen it, but we don't know the story. Maybe just, you know, give some, some take on, on the movie and what you thought about it. What it got right, what it got wrong. Well, I, I thought that they did it. I mean, it's very authentic, you know, and I, I find it fascinating, Isaiah, that, you know, people are going retro, you know, even the styles are going retro. They're going yep. back to the hippie time period, you know? Yep. It's an interesting thing to see that retro look that I see with kids, you know? And, you know, when that time period happened, you have no idea you're in a movement. Mm. You have no idea that this is, going to change how church is done because the music changed. Music is a big deal, man. Music, yeah. we had our own music. All, all the people that started in that music industry, Lonnie led them to the Lord. Wow. Most of those guys came out of drugs, crazy train stuff, because Lonnie came out of tra crazy trains trained stuff, you know, mostly hallucinogenics. And, you know, he, it, it was just that time period of emptiness. And, you know, people come to the end of themselves because mm. of, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And all of a sudden, you're, there's this big gaping hole on the inside of you, you know. And so um, Pascal said, inside all of us is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. Wow. It's only God. And knowing him and knowing the power of his resurrection and also the fellowship of his suffering. And we're about ready to see some suffering come. And God is about ready to bring a wake up call like we've never seen before. This mm. is going to be beyond anything we've ever seen. And so what God is doing is, and I think it's a call to holiness, you know, yes. like without being religious at all, there is not one religious bone in my body. Isaiah, come on, come listen, on. I hate that religious spirit. I've come, come against it my whole life. I love it. You know? So like, that's not my, that's not my bag, man. But that Psalm 24 deal where you're going to send the hill of the Lord, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Yes. Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. This is what God is calling us to. Well, how can you ascend that hill when you're 
stuck in bondages of pornography mm. and all kinds of crazy things where God wants to capture your imagination where porn's got it. Well, it's going to take on. something more powerful than that to break that stronghold. And thus comes deliverance. Mm. That's what God is wanting. And that's what God's doing right now. That, that realm right there, that imagination realm, that is where faith comes from. And if the enemy can occupy it with that kind of garbage and that kind of trash, guess what? You know, he's got you in captivity. Mm. And so you can imagine, even in the body of Christ, how many people are, are strung out on that. Even those who are, might even be listening right now. And I consider the people probably watching this kind of podcast are remnant type of people. Yeah. Okay, you're being called out. You are being called out of the systems of men. Enough cruise liners being built. Come he on. is calling for battleships to be built now. This mm. is no joke time. This is for everybody. Exactly what Isaiah just said. We have built an, enough audiences to last a lifetime. Come on. It is time to build an army to get them ready, to get them prepared for what is about ready to hit us on this Come earth on. right now. Come on. I love it. I want to talk about as well, I, I'm very curious about the miracles, the deliverances during the Jesus movement. Now in the film, we know of course the film was about Greg Laurie's life and I think the film was awesome, but there was a yeah. moment where, you know, I, I don't want to say rub me the wrong way, but probably the only part of the whole movie that I was kind of like, uh, was when Lonnie was trying to step out and like pray for the sick and cast out demons. He kind of was like trying to do that. And then there's one part where Chuck's like, you know, Lonnie stop, like kind of just shut him down. Was that, was that mm -hmm. accurate in the movement? Was there a part of Lonnie where he was charismatic? He was wanting to pray for the sick. He was wanting to cast out demons. I know there was a documentary where they said like, something along the lines of like Chuck and them said, Hey, if you, if anyone falls over, you're going to get fired type of thing. Like we don't want, we don't want that here. Um, is that accurate to say? I think I actually, I think it was Chuck Smith's son in the document, one of the documentaries that said that, um, what was the spiritual climate? Like when Lonnie was around, was he praying for the sick? Was he casting out demons? Talk to us a little bit about that in the Jesus movement. That's why it grew so quickly is because mm. the power of God fell. And the presence of God came. If you went into that tent, man, Spirit of God was about ready to grip you. Wow. People are hungry for the authentic, real deal stuff. We were at that time, they're that place right now. People are done with the religious systems. That's not going to work. We need to see God's hand and spirit upon us. Come now. on. And so what, what happened was it's the classic clash between the pastor teacher and the prophetic bang coming. With, mm. with that that dynamic coming, okay? And so Chuck, oddly enough, came out of a four-square denomination. Okay. And so he had seen over, you know, people over-spiritualizing things, a uh, lot of things where, you know, by the time Chuck was in, you know, graduating from Life Bible College, you know, or uh, I think, I believe that's where he graduated from, which was a four-square part of their denomination, you know, you, you saw like abuses of spiritual things. The spirit of God and the power of God wanes after years of people making it more of their religious system than anything, you know? And mm. I think that he saw a lot of abuses about that. And he was overly cautious about that particular way gotcha. of going. But everybody was getting freed from, like, for instance, you know, uh, LSD flashbacks. Lonnie would have words mm. of knowledge a lot of times, you know? of those kinds of things. And the power of God was moving and people were getting healed. People were getting delivered from things, you know, it was a common kind of a thing. And then, you know, it becomes, uh, 
it, you can't control it. <laughs> That's the only way I could say it. So mm -hmm. when you can't control it, you people get uncomfortable and you want to bring it back to, you know, I would say, yeah, more palatable way of approaching church. And so, but the reason why it grew so quickly is because of signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit moving. Wow. And that's really the reality of it. And so what, why your movie is doing so well is because so many people are in bondage mm -hmm. and they're saying, where's the reality of anything spiritual that will break the back of this thing? And why am I here even, you know, that's yeah. why the hunger is driving this thing right now, Isaiah. It's a hunger, you know, but it's the same thing that was in my generation. Exactly the same thing. Hunger drove me into Buddhism. Hunger drove me into all of these things. Hunger drove me into seeking the Lord more than I could ever imagine. I mean, I'm seeing kids down here right now that are in my little sphere of influence. Uh, and I actually had a call from uh, Danny Lehman, who is one of the leaders of the YWAM. Have you ever heard of YWAM? Yes, with a yes I've spoke. Anyways, it's a big before. Yeah. Yeah. So Danny calls me you know, cause he saw my video. And so Danny says, and he's like number two in charge of all of that, mm. that group. And he said, the kids are seeking God. Like I've never seen before Come on. at the YWAM base. And he said for hours, for hours, they're on their faces and they're weeping and they're crying and they're calling out to the Lord. And he says, dude, I'm good for an hour and a half, maybe, you know, he's mm. my age, you know, <laughs> I'm going, seeing the same thing here in San Diego. Kids will not get off the floor. They're weeping hours and hours of just pressed in, seeking the Lord. I mean, it's something that I haven't seen. I've been waiting. I've been waiting, bro, for a long time to see wow. this. And I'm seeing it. Wow. That's amazing. God is doing something it. to behold. It's something to behold. He is. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to hear as well how so, you met um, Lonnie. Back yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Let, let me just get back to the movie. Yep. I thought that that what you were saying is true. You know, the first part of it, I was weeping. I'm seriously, you know, like that's my body, yeah, you know, too. like, oh yeah, come on, man. I wept and wept. And then boom, he gets that in interview with Catherine Coleman. Catherine Coleman loved Lonnie. Mm. Catherine Coleman really influenced Lonnie a lot. You know who else influenced Lonnie a lot? And it was really close to Lonnie? Derek Prince. You wow, know, most people everyone even, in the chat knows who Derek Prince is. Yeah, we love that, Derek yeah. Prince. I didn't even know that until you yeah. told me yeah. the other day. Yeah, so, Lon, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he really loved loved Lonnie. But anyways, uh, that kind of grieved me a little bit because I know how much Catherine loved Lonnie. And I also, so, uh, you know, I felt kind of grieved of what how that was portrayed to him and Isaiah. You know, Lonnie's 19 years old and he's pastoring 500 people. Mm. Okay. Out of a broken life of himself. And, you know, we can get into a little bit of that too, but yeah, you know, he just came from such a place of brokenness, you know, and here he is married to Connie. They're having struggles. He's only 19. And, you know, he's like now by the time he's 21, he's on time magazine, the face of the Jesus movement. Mm. You know, I mean, think about that. Put yourself in that place with the brokenness that you're carrying over to this. And now God is using you with signs and wonders, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So put yourself in that kind of a category and you start to say, okay, you can see how, you know, like he, he just, you know, was feeling that rejection. And, and to be quite honest with you, 
I think the whole time Lonnie was looking for a father because mm. he got rejected by his dad. His stepdad rejected him. Then by the time he's eight years old, he gets molested. He, he gave his life to Jesus at eight years old. Three months later, the babysitter comes in, molests him. I read about it in his book. When if yeah. you have my thing posted down there, yeah, people the can dark evangelist my, he says came. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you know, all of a sudden now, and and he in, in that time period, you have to think this is the late fifties, okay? So you go to people and say he went to his mom. Mom, this man's this guy's taking me into the shower and and doing things that I, I don't want to do. She says, wow. "Shut your mouth. You don't ever." speak about that again to him about him again wow. and he kept babysitting you know so you've got yeah so you've got this kind of thing happening and so you have to carry this with you forward and Lonnie would always often tell me he says man I feel like I got a bullseye on me and that it, there's just this bullseye I mean Isaiah knowing what I know now okay I'm, I'm going to be 69 next week okay and if I saw a 30 year old Lonnie okay I could take Lonnie knowing what I know now and just say Lonnie why don't we spend a couple of days together and I could, you know, let's just seek the lord together see what the lord has dude by the end of that weekend he'd be completely free you mm. know can untangle that thing so quick and just and be a father to him you know what i mean and so you know i i'm, I'm really telling the older people you know get back in this race yes get back and this is an abraham isaac and jacob deal man that's coming it's not just youth and it's not just you know it's everybody's going to yes. be needed for this one everybody absolutely so that's powerful i know he felt he felt yeah. like at times he was i guess used he says that in the movie and then he says that in the documentary and then some of his memoirs he said he felt you know he felt like he was he was used uh for his giftings and then i think in the movie he says something like when people are done with me they toss me to the side and that was like some of the trauma mm -hmm. he went through growing up some of the time in ministry i, I look at my mm -hmm. own life and when i get i got radically saved at 19 and i thank god that i had not only my parents but i had my uncle who was in as it was a pastor for 30 something years that came and mentored me that came and looked out for me that came in he really was that spiritual father for me to say man yeah. i believe in you you got this i got your back i support mm -hmm. you and i answer yeah. any questions but he, he also shielded me from all the pastors that were trying to shut me down all the leaders that were like oh this is too radical he's too young there's too many people coming for mm -hmm. his age and my uncle really was that father that shelter spiritually for me and then you know spent 10 yeah. years traveling with me everywhere covering me but honestly i'll say this john if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would even mm -hmm. be saved. I for sure would not be preaching the way I preach and on the platform I'm on if it wasn't for him. And it seems like Lonnie just didn't really have that in his life. He didn't have that. For me, it was Nino, right? We, I would call him mm -hmm. Nino. But Lonnie didn't really have that Nino, that spiritual father that really would say, Lonnie, I'm going to help you through this trauma. And maybe, maybe the people in his life didn't know how to process it at that time. Like you said, it wasn't like now. It's much more common to talk about abuse and trauma and stuff but back then you know you bottle that up i could imagine lonnie feeling feeling used throughout his life like he talked about in the documentary how did you meet lonnie how did you guys come in contact and become friends well i was going through a really difficult time in my life you know like i'm about four years into this you know uh walking with jesus and i mean i quit everything i quit football i quit everything i just said man that means nothing. We Jesus is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta give my life to to just however I gotta serve Jesus, I gotta serve him. 
So I went straight into school. Uh, it was called Melody Land School of Theology. It was a school that was the hub of the charismatic movement at that time with the top, top theologians, the top, top spirit-filled. Everybody was spirit-filled. They were mm. all, like Catherine Coleman would do the the uh, chapel services. You know what I mean? Okay. You, you, you had Mario Morello, all those kinds of guys. Yeah, you know, Mario's a good there. friend of mine. You know, it was like a hub. Yeah, Mario's, Mario's on point. You know, I mean, Mario came all out of that Berkeley deal, you know, and Mario still, that, that train's still rolling hard, yep. you know? So I have a lot of respect for Mario. But... But anyways, so we were in that time period, and I went through a very, very, very difficult time period. And so I needed a new roommate. And my uh, one of the guys who I was going to school with, he's one of the brightest guys in the school. Uh, he said, well, I'm looking for a roommate. So we had dinner that night. And he told me, he said, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to move back with a guy who led me to the Lord that discipled me. And he was a major leader. And I knew who Lonnie was. And he says, it's Lonnie Frisbee. Well, Lonnie had the, the shepherding movement had just come through, you know, and I knew Lonnie was part of that. And the shepherding movement had a proclivity to be very controlling. And, you know, once that controlling spirit starts, you know, that's and these guys were really, really powerful preachers and leaders. And Derek was part of that. But once they repented of that whole thing that they did with the shepherding movement and they broke it out. That's when Derek's ministry soared. That's when Baxter's ministry soared. Everybody's ministry soared once they got out of that configuration of that control thing that they didn't, I don't think they meant for it to become that, but it did. And so anyways, so I did not need that kind of a person in my life at that time. And I'm just mm. going, bro, I don't know about that. Man. I, you know, I'm not sure if that's like the direction. He says, look, let's just go over and meet Lonnie. So I go over to Lonnie's house. Lonnie lives in the hood. I mean, it's wow. like, it's heroin alley in Santa Ana where Lonnie is. So Lonnie, Lonnie's, you know, we, we go in, we meet Lonnie, you know, and Lonnie's a small guy, you know, he's not very big. He's like five, seven, 125, 130 pounds. I mean, he's tiny. And so I'm walking in there and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, this is Lonnie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like I'm thinking that in my head, right? Lonnie looks at me and he says, Hey, Hey, dude, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, man, this yeah. guy's like reading my mind. Yeah, man. he got a word of knowledge. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So we sit down and he says, and, you know, the, the thing was this, you know, my dad was an artist. My brother's an artist. And I've always been around art people. Well, Lonnie was a very gifted artist. He was up in Haight-Ashbury when he really had an encounter with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as a on an art scholarship. So, I mean, he was very gifted. And so... You know, he, um, you know, he had all these half paintings done. I got some Lonnie's artwork in here someplace. I don't know where it is, but anyways, I should, I should have had some here so you can see it. But he, um, you know, it's like, oh man, this is very bohemian. You know, I mean, I'm, oh, this, this is legit. You know, I'm feeling like, oh, feeling my roots here. You know, this is like mm. real hippie pad, you know? And so we're, we're, I'm feeling very comfortable in this. There's, there's an atmosphere of the Lord here and, all that kind of stuff. And we're talking, and I'm telling you, Isaiah, by the time I left that night, what was happening inside of me dissipated. Wow. I was fine. I was fine. So the next, <laughs> I'm at his door. I said, I'm your new roommate. 
So for the next eight years, we rolled together. And, wow. You know, and I, I felt like I just had to stand by him as a friend, you know? And so, um, so we had, we'd already gone through the, like Jesus movement and the, you know, another thing Isaiah, and this is what I want to say to like, whoever's watching this right now, listen, these things have a, have a propensity to have a short shelf life. We need to extend these lives of these things. Yes. When a move of God happens, you can make it a holy habitation, not just, just a one and done deal. We need to see God's kingdom come. And who knows, this might be the end point, which this might be the one where well, we thought it was ours. We thought yeah. Jesus was coming back next week. Okay. So, but I'm telling you, we got two superpowers with their barrels looking at us as a nation. We've got mm -hmm. a nation that is on the verge of collapse and chaos. Okay. Yeah. The economy is going to collapse. All kinds of things are about ready to happen. Like I've never seen before. Okay. Like I'm, I grew up in all of that time period. I'm going to be 69 years old. I've seen a lot of stuff. Man. Wow. This is like, wow. I've never seen us ripe for a, for that move of God that we've been talking about. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're ripe for it. I, I've I've been basing most of like my prayer meetings, and I do this thing called Water Wednesday from Tuesday. We fast from Tuesday at noon to Wednesday at noon every Wednesday, and I make it at noon. And we all intercede and cry out to God, and we pray and we press in, and we just do it for an hour, and then we do just ministry after that. And we're all fasting, so I say, hey, if you got demonized people, bring them over here. It's a perfect time for us mm -hmm. to deal with that stuff. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff. So. But I based it off of the Third Great Awakening. The Third Great Awakening was a businessman's prayer meeting that happened in 1857, right before the Civil War. So it was preparing people for death, really. Mm. These moves of God have that kind of a thing to it, you know. So you'll see a massive harvest come in. Uh, and we're about ready to see that too. So, But anyways, in that, in that awakening, there was... Uh, the the last move of God, which was Finney and all those guys, it was waning. It was like, okay, now it's dispersing. There's no, the churches are dead. So they're in Manhattan and the Presbyterian church is a couple thousand people church. And there's only like 40 people showing up, you know? Wow. And so uh, they brought this guy on to go out to the neighborhoods and kind of shake the, the trees to see if anybody would show up. Well, after a year of that, it was just like beating the, the dirt, man. It was nothing happening. So he puts out a sign. When all that fails, put out a sign. He says, prayer meeting at noon. Six people showed up the next week. Mm. The next week, 20 people. Third week, 40 people. The next week, 10,000 people. Wow. Stock market collapsed. It exploded all over the United States where prayer mm. meetings were breaking out. They called it the businessmen's prayer meeting. And people... They were coming in, confessing their sins, repenting of their sins by the tens of thousands. Wow. It was that group that brought the abolitionists forward for the Civil War. It was every single university got touched in the United States at that time. Every single one. There was not one that was left undone from that revival. Wow. So we're about ready to see that. And so that's what was happening in that time came up. Jesus movement kind of consolidated, become organized. And, and, you know, listen, God is not looking to bring another organization, Isaiah. He Come wants on. an organism Come alive, on. living stones, fitly joined, coming together, 
letting the spirit of God begin to move with great power, with great anointing. You know, why would we, why just exactly what you said on the very beginning of this podcast, you said, get off those sidelines, get into the game. Why would you want to watch a game? How many times do you need to see me bounce the basketball before you want to be bouncing come the basketball? Come on, come on. I love you it. You want to get in that game. You want to see the kingdom of God move through you. You want that anointing coming on you. You don't need Isaiah. You don't need me. You can do this. Come on. If you just allow the spirit of God to come alive on the inside of you, and you let that fire touch you on the inside, God will begin to move and he'll begin to use you. So good. I love it, man. I'm getting fired up. I love it. So you and Lonnie, eight years off and on, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> you guys are eight years off and on roommates. Now, I want to I want to just kind of yeah. elephant in the room, just speak this out because I know there's people asking in the chat. I know it's something that you're willing to answer. Many people are saying, well, Lonnie lived a gay lifestyle. Lonnie was kicked out of this church or that church for living this lifestyle. Now, you spent eight years. You took care of him even as he passed. Is it true or is it false? Because if there's anyone to ask, it's you. Was Lonnie living a gay lifestyle? Was he openly talking about it, acting out? Or was this something from his past that he contracted? Because I'm not mistaken, do you get HIV and then it turns into never, AIDS? Never. Is that how it works? Yes. Yeah, yeah so talk yeah, to us about that, so some of the let misconceptions. Me just yeah, talk chronologically, about that. yeah, let me just, yep. let me get this. Okay, okay, so in between that time period and like the next year, okay. we we're hanging out at, uh, like if anything was moving spiritually, man, we would go just feel it, you know, just see what's going on. You could always tell just by the worship, just the worship would be the indicator mm. of whether there's something alive in this church. Okay. So the biggest show in town at that particular point in time was the Calvary chapels. Okay. okay. Calvary chapel absorbed the Jesus movement. And most of those guys came, got saved early on and they became very su successful pastors. And many of them are still doing churches even to this day. But, um, and, and they've done a good job. Let me catch up. We'll get you through the scriptures. They stay line upon line, precept upon precept, all that kind of stuff. But they're missing the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You're not going to, you don't see that much baptism in the Holy Spirit. You don't see hard, any deliverance, hardly. Yeah. You know, I'm not that I know. It. But anyways, in that particular point in time, we're still, you know, 10 years in from the Jesus movement and we went to the Calvary Chapel, Yorba Linda, and uh, John Wimber was the pastor of that church. And so we're there, and it was the worship, man. It gripped us. The worship was dynamic, very powerful. And uh, back in that time period, the kids had mohawks because punk rock was happening in that time okay. period. You know, like as the time of MTV was starting and all that kind of stuff. It was before you were born. So... Uh, yeah, I know. It's like embarrassing. I'm, <laughs> I feel like you're one of my grandkids. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we were starting to circle that whole place. Well, everybody knows when Lonnie's circling something because most of those people got touched through Lonnie's ministry. Mm. And they recognized that Lonnie was there, you know. So Lonnie and I, uh, we went to a, uh intercessory group prayer meeting. And because uh, Lonnie said, "Hey, man, if we want to find out what's what the Lord, what the Spirit's speaking over the church, let's hear what the Spirit's saying through the intercessors." So we went over to intercessory group and crying out to God, and we're praying and we're just saying. And so that's the first time I saw somebody in travail and weeping and wailing. And, you know, and she said, "We feel like there's going to be a move of God here, but there's a cork in the bottle." And I said, "What? What's the cork?" And she said, "The pastor, mm. which is John Wimber." 
So the next thing I know, I'm in women's backyard with Lonnie because I'm his roommate. So they're saying, oh, the, the whole staff was there. Lonnie, why don't you come in and do the uh, Mother's Day? We're going to cut you loose on Mother's Day. Well, I thought, boy, oh, boy, they have no idea what they're asking for. I told Lonnie that. We're walking along the side of Wimber's house. And I said, Frizz, they have no clue to what's about ready to happen. And he said, no, I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to be cool about this. And, you know, the rest is history. Whole movement came out of that. So, you know, we're now a whole movement starts from that event that happens. And so we're involved in all of that. And, which is and the God vineyard is movement, moving. is that right? Yeah, which is the vineyard, the vineyard. movement. You know, so, yeah, the vineyard came out of Calvary Chapel. Okay. And Chuck had a split, you know, where he didn't want to go that direction. John says, we're going that direction. So, and, you know, there was a real powerful just presence of God. Many, 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 many people were getting healed. Many people were getting delivered in these meetings. You know, that was way, way over the, you know, the uh, broad bandwidth of the Calvary Chapel system at that particular point in time. And so, you know, John just took it another direction and it was very powerful. And every place we went, we saw the power of God move with great anointing. And so as we're going into this, Lonnie's starting to have some issues, you know, and, but listen, I was his roommate, never yeah. saw any of that at all, ever. When we were together, ever, never saw it, wasn't around it, didn't so see So he wasn't, it. he wasn't living a gay and lifestyle I that could, whole eight years you, know, you guys were together. No, never, no, no, never, never saw it, never was around it, never even talked about it, you know? Mm. I mean, it was just nothing to even talk about. Yeah. So, because, you know, I'm as straight as they get, you know? I mean, I, yeah. I was fighting against opposite sex attraction. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. keep everything, my heart pure, just in yeah. all of those things, you know? So, so anyways, we're, um, so John, is now having to deal with Lonnie over some of the rumors that were coming and all that kind of stuff. And man, it was really painful season. This is probably right around 1984, you know? And so by that time, the vineyard is like a rocket ship, the worship. It was the, like the top worship. It's like, that's where like Hillsong Bethel, all those guys came out of that kind of a model mm. of worship. And how to do all of those kinds of things. And so that started to happen. And then, you know, now John's got an international ministry. It's not just a localized ministry. There's just now literally hundreds of churches being birthed, like boom, 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 boom. And so I started to see that there was just some issues that Lonnie was having. And John had reprimanded Lonnie and said, look, you, you, you can't, you can't talk. You can't, we're going to have to shut you off of some things. Well, man, I knew this was not end well for Lonnie. And I wanted to go with the vineyard because, you know, I'm 25 years old, man. I got plenty of juice in the tank, you know? Yeah. And I, I was very ambitious, wanted to see the Lord move, but I had to go with Lonnie because if I didn't go with Lonnie, you know, it's my friend. Wow. I needed to walk him through whatever he wants, you know? So, so now you're adding another layer of rejection of all kinds of other things. And, you know, listen, there's a scripture that says that, that there's this root of bitterness. Notice it's a root. It's like if you look at a tree, 
you can't see its roots, but it goes down and just sucking all the nutrients out. And so I started to see this thing take a hold of Lonnie. And, you know, it was really rough, you know, because rejection, 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 rejection. You know, he rejected by John. He got rejected by Bobford. He really was looking for Bob and that whole Fort Lauderdale group to help heal his marriage. And then they just kind of like, it became too military, militarialistic. You know, they were too rigid in how they did things. And so now he's got rejected from him. Then he got rejected by Chuck. He felt rejected by Chuck. And then, you know, rejected by his stepdad, rejected by his real dad. Then he had that molestation, you know. So I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, yeah, this is the kind of stuff this guy was dealing with. And so you're trying to help navigate that with the mentee. I'm the mentee. He's the mentor. And you're trying to talk him through his stuff, you know. Mm. And it was really quite a painful road there, you know, from like, I would say like 85 to 87, we started a house church down in San Diego. That went like, you can imagine that was super dynamic, super yeah. powerful. But I started to see Lonnie starting to bring this manifestation of this root of bitterness. And you, you know, Isaiah, if you don't work through those forgiveness issues, yep. the devil gets a legal yep. access to your life. Yep. Every bondage that you're in, will come fully to the surface of everything. And so it finally came to the place where in, right in the 87 area that I had to deal with Ron, mm. which was really difficult because I have a house church full of people and I had to like sec take this group. Okay. You got to go over here. You group go over here. I said, Lonnie, you're going to be quarantined from the body of Christ. If you don't deal with this, you cannot talk about leaders like this. You cannot, continue to wallow in this root of bitterness. You cannot do this. Well, we, that didn't go well, you know? And so we had a like blowout in our relationship and we didn't talk for two years. Wow. And so it was really painful. Yeah. Cause we did everything together, you know? Yeah. And, but you know, you have to just, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. So I had to go through this whole thing with him. And uh, so Back in 89, um, there was a prophetic guy that came to Lonnie and he had like three pages of like Lonnie in, you know, 87, you were this and this and this and this. I mean, just names and addresses of people, you know I mean? It's like this guy didn't know Lonnie at all. And in one of those lines was, you need to reconcile with this guy. And it was me. And, and so Lonnie calls me up out of the blue after I hadn't talked to him in two years. He says, hey, bro. I said, Lonnie, what's up, man? He says, and he told me the story about the guy giving him the prophetic word and that I was one of the things in that prophetic word. And so I said, okay. So I met him. I said, I don't even trust you. I'm going to meet you in South Africa. So we flew to South Africa. I said, we need to get off the continent, man. That's how intense yeah. I feel yeah. about you, man. So we go over to South Africa and we meet with our friend Derek Morphew. And then Derek kind of pulled us all together. And then after that, I uh, went to Brazil with Lonnie right after that. And uh, we met with uh, uh, one of the leaders down in Brazil. And at that point in time, Lonnie's still like, you know, he's coming out of, you know, just a rough two years of his life, you know? And so I had bought a new house in Poway. And so I moved him into my house and 
you know, because Lonnie was always couch surfing. He was terrible with money, didn't know even how to do business. We didn't know any, he didn't know any of those things. I was always having to make sure, okay, got to make sure. We got to take care of this. You got to, so I moved him into my house, but you don't just move Lonnie into your house. You move him in with the seven guys he's discipling and they're all demonized. So, you know, yeah. like, now I got to take all these guys on. And this is in 89, so, you said you, you know, moved him into I'm your house? Only, yeah, 89, 89. And, and what year I, you did know, Lonnie I, pass away? I'm the only away. person. Uh, 93. Okay, so, so this is a couple years. years before he's passed. Yeah, this is a couple years before he's passed. So we're walking through all of this kind of reconciliation. And I can still see these things are still, he's working all of these issues out of his life, you know. And, you know, but man, we were seeking the Lord, I mean, hard. I mean, we yeah. were, we'd seek the Lord and we'd spend hours, like our devotions would be, you know, life together with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know, yeah. our our devotions would be like on that kind of a level. You know, we would just pray and press in and listen to worship and just wait on the Lord, you know. And so it was a, it was kind of a restoration time for me and him. It was a restoration time for Lonnie, you know, to get things right. And so and, and right in the middle of that, there was another move of God in 89 that happened, which was a biker church called Set Free with Phil, mm -hmm. a guy named Phil Aguilar, who is a good friend of mine even now. But um, so Lonnie and I felt like we needed to go help Phil because Phil was, even though it was a radical biker church, he was great on salvation, but he didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Okay. And didn't know anything about the baptisms on the Holy Spirit. And there's so many people getting saved. We went from 350 people to like 1,500 people, like boom, like within three wow. months. And so we were trying to bring uh, Phil into the fullness of the Holy Spirit and just say, Phil, there's too many demonic spirits here. There's too many unclean spirits that are people, people are getting saved, but they're demonized you know yeah. you got to get got to help you know and but he kind of wasn't like he 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 appreciated Lonnie and he, he was the only one that he would let Lonnie preach at his church so like in that time period we were kind of working through those issues with uh set free and so um so at that time my dad died when I was three I met a man by the name of Harold Bredesen and Harold of all things you know, Lonnie and I were, he lived not too far from where I lived. He lived up in Escondido. I lived in Poway, which, you know, maybe 25 minutes away. So I asked Harold's daughter, who became a friend of mine, um, man, I'd love to meet your dad and have dinner with him sometime. So Harold invited me and Lonnie up to have dinner. And I told Lonnie, don't prophesy over this guy. Like, <laughs> dude, I just like, let's just be guests in his house. Let's not like jam him up with like yeah. all kinds of things. So we didn't get past the prayer of the meal and Lonnie's up prophesying over Harold, you know? <laughs> so Harold looks at me and he says, brother, you know, um, I just, you know, the next day he was going to the Soviet Union with Pat Robertson. This is when the Soviet Union broke down. And uh, I didn't, were you even born? When were you born? 91. Bro, come on, man. What I is going old, on? Man. I feel old, man. I feel old. Yeah, no, bro, bro. I am having to give you history lessons. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm like, this is all so, before I was born. Oh, bro, that is scary, man. Anyways, I had to, uh, We Harold came back after that. Lonnie's in my house. And I go up to meet with Harold because he said, would you go up to Prayer Mountain with me? So I go up to Prayer Mountain with me. And Harold turns around and he says, brother, I think that the Lord is calling me to be your father. 
So for the next 15 years, I went with Harold. So I went from flip-flops and blue jeans to suits and ties with Harold because he was one of the fathers of the charismatic movement. Wow. And so, yeah. So, so it was in this time period that, you know, Harold and Lonnie said, look, we need to ordain you. I said, I don't want to become a professional minister. I, yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't want to do that, man. I, I, I need to just stay out on the fray of that. Just stay on the yeah, loop, you know. I feel I said, it. No, you're, you've been called. You, you've been called. You got to get. You know, we we just want. We're just recognizing you. So, um, you know, they had me stand up and with all these elders, and we did it all in Harold's backyard. You know, we're always hippie stuff. You know, and so uh, they called out uh, who would eventually be my wife. And they said, we feel like she's supposed to stand next to you. I said, what? <laughs> oh, my. So little did I know that that was going to be my wife, like, in two years. So, wow. Our, yeah, actually, actually, a year later. And so, um, so Lonnie um, told my wife, I need to pick up John from the airport because I was traveling with Harold. So Lonnie picks me up from the airport. So I, he picks me up and he, we're walking down here by the hotel Dell. And he said, you know, I got to, I got to confess something to you. And I said, what is it? He says, I've contracted the AIDS virus. I said, what? Mm. Wow. He says, yeah, man. He says, it's already in the, I'm past HIV. I'm now into AIDS. I said, when did that happen? How did that happen? So he began to just share some of the things that happened and what, what his involvement was, all that kind of stuff. And man, I was just shattered. I was so heartbroken over it all. You know, I was just going, wow. And you know, it's funny. I, and I never even shared this, but when I was in Brazil in 89 with him, we were down in Iguazu in the Amazon area. Oh, and it's like Niagara Falls of Brazil. And we were stuck in this monsoon and blotches broke out all over his body. And mm. I, 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 he was really sick, man. And I didn't know what that was, you know? And so I took him, to, I said, Lonnie, I got to get you to a doctor. So I take him down to this doctor and the doctor could hardly speak any English. And he said, go home now. So I said, Frizz, we're getting out of here, getting on this first plane. We're out of here. So this, thing broke over his body so which is part of the AIDS virus mm. but I had no idea about any of that stuff I didn't know what was happening and that doctor wouldn't tell me anything because he didn't could speak English but he just said this is serious go home so so Lonnie you know in that time period he becomes my roommate and then you know uh, I get married and he's you know I get ordained I get married and then you know like Lonnie's um, shares what had happened and you know, I just, you know, was heartbroken. And so when he, you know, he was coming like towards the end of his life, it was horrible, horrible death, man. It was, I mean, I had no idea the ravages that this brought over your, over your body. Wow. And so, yeah, it was horrible. And, and uh, so I said to Lonnie, I said, I think Lonnie, why don't you let me interview you? And I think homosexuality is going to be a big deal. I think that this is going to be, become a big thing that the body of Christ is going to be dealing with. Why did you let me interview you? And he, he said, look, I'm so sick. 
but I've got everything worked out with the Lord. I've got everything worked out with all the people that I held all this animosity towards. He says, I can't wait to see Jesus. I got everything straight. I just want to be with him now. Mm. I said, I, I understand. So fast forward it. I'm uh, the last book came out like three years ago or something like two, two and a half years ago. And it's called set free. And there's a trilogy of books. Have you read those books? No, I have. I've just started looking into them since I saw your video. Yeah. So the last book is called set free. And so I was reading that I'm, I'm in that book. So I'm like, I want to see what Lonnie says that I'm here. You know? yeah. so I'm reading through the book and I stumbled upon this chapter. And it's one of the last chapters and it's, you know, eternal perspectives. So this is like a deathbed confession, you know? Yeah. And Lonnie begins to share every detail of his life about all of these things. And actually you on your, that hit 300,000, your little uh, podcast that you did with me in yeah. that podcast. Yeah. That, that, that is that chapter. Mm. And so I'm just, I just started reading. I read it to my wife. I said, here's the interview I wanted to do with Lonnie. Wow, it's all right here, man. Wow. And she says, as I'm reading it to her, she says, Greg needs to put that in the movie. I said, honey, that movie's already done. Yeah. I mean, and Greg's not going to put that in the movie. Trust me. It's just not there, you know? Yeah. So, and both of her, she and I, we were rejoicing because she was his best girlfriend. I was his best guy friend. I'm just going, here it is. We can wrestle this narrative away from the LGBTQ community and we can bring it back to the body price and say, look, this guy in the end stood strong. Yep. He saw that community for what it's worth and he never was a part of it. Yes. He was never a part of it. So according to you, I want to make it clear here. I know we're, it's getting choppy a little bit with the video signal. So basically, Lonnie did not live a gay lifestyle. He did not condone the gay lifestyle. And you were with him for eight years, even up to the point no. he died. And then just to synopsis, the last part of that book, Lonnie really said, I'm... The, the homosexuality is not okay. It is a sin. God is not okay with this. And Lonnie felt like, hey, I'm suffering for the consequences of my own sin. I sinned. He, I contracted AIDS yes. and I'm suffering yes. now, but it wasn't yes. God. And Lonnie says that in the book, right? It wasn't God. This is not God's yeah. fault. This is something yeah. that I did and now I'm suffering the consequences. But the beauty is Lonnie got right with God. He got right with all the people that, you know, he had ought with mm -hmm. at the end of his life. And mm -hmm. he died yeah. serving God, worshiping God, not con not um, advocating for homosexuality as someone would Never. Think never living a gay lifestyle. This is something yep. that happened. He contracted it just like any other sin. He repented, he turned from it. And at the end of his life, he on his deathbed was able to be restored, be at peace with God. And then if you guys want those three, the three um, books, kind of kind of give a, a picture of his life. And like you said, what the interview you wanted to do, he basically talks about in those books and kind of God totally restored him. So that's a beautiful story. I would like to ask you, I know we've been live for about an hour and a half here, but I would like to ask you a closing question about um, now, I guess, personal. You you were with Lonnie for eight years. You were at the, you took care of him as he was passing away. Um, you were his roommate. You were best friends with him. Seeing Lonnie's life, seeing, you know, some of the bitterness he went through, some of the resentment he went through, some of the pain that he went through. Now you have these young guys God is raising up. God is doing something new in this generation. You're a general, you know, you're 69. I thought you were way younger, but you're 69 years old. You've seen revival. You've seen movement. Your Christmas birth. gift is on the way. 
come on now. You've seen Revival, you've seen Moves of the Spirit, you're still a part of Revival right now, you're still part of Moves of the Holy Spirit, you still got a ton of years left in you. Give us, what is the word of warning, the word of uh, advice you'd give these younger guys God is raising up? What are some things, maybe even just one thing that we can steer clear of to make sure that we run the race well and we don't end up living, you know, bitter and resentful? Because you can be that way. Like I said, if it wasn't for my Nino, I could have very well ended up being a Lonnie Frisbee in the sense that yeah. I could have been resentful yeah. towards leadership. Because the first church I was a part of, they basically told me, you know, shut down your revival. I mean, they, they basically told me that. And so I could have yeah. gotten resentful and bitter, but thank God I had my uncle to spirit, be a spiritual father and a voice of reason. But maybe what would you say mm. to some of these young guys God is raising up or and young ladies, so a word of warning as we progress into this revival? Stay humble. Mm. Do not be competitive. Listen, you're not, you're not competing against anybody. We're all up against the same foe. His name is the devil. Okay. Mm. Stay humble. Stay focused. Keep your heart pure before God. I was on Vlad's deal yeah. uh, podcast. And I, I said, look, you know, I'm in love with Jesus. The reason why I got a fire burning in me. Come I'm on. In love with Jesus. That I, I, I'm I'm madly in love with Jesus. I've always maintained that love of Jesus. And if you can just keep that root of bitterness away from you, if you can just ascend that hill of the Lord. And keep clean hands and a pure heart. Listen, the devil would try to get all polluted on the inside of you. You must maintain a purity before the Lord. And when I say that, man, there are just no religious connotations to that at all. Come on. Just be normal, real person, working out your stuff. But work it out. Just get it worked out. And let the Lord work out things. And be led by the Holy Spirit. And get into radical obedience to what God has called you to do. Obedience comes from a Latin word, it means to listen. So listen to God. As many are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So stay in that zone, man. The reason why Isaiah is where he's at, he's obeyed God. Mm. So good. Thank you so much, John, for that. Would you do us a favor before I get you off here? Would you just pray us out? And then I'm also going to have you after you pray, talk a little bit about where they can find some of your events. Maybe they can connect with what you're doing. I know you guys have an event coming up yeah, in a few weeks great. here. But yeah, if you could pray yeah. pray for us before we get you off here, that'd be awesome. Okay, Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your mercies. Lord, your, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, we come to the throne of grace that's full of mercy. We thank you, Lord, that it is that throne that we're coming before you with. So, Lord, I just pray over this precious remnant that are watching this right now. I ask, Lord, in the mighty name of yes. Jesus, come with that resurrection power. Let the resurrection power be released upon this group of people right now like never before. Lord, I pray for that fire to touch them in their bellies, and Lord, that there would be nothing that would stop them for this season that's ahead of them. Lord, I pray for that oil just to be released from heaven. Let it just flow upon you. Let God heal your broken heart. Let him begin to heal some of those areas where you've been broken, where maybe you've been victimized, maybe where the enemy has slipped in, where you came through a molestation and you've been in a wilderness ever since that happened. Lord, we just pray, God, now, even now, break them through, God. Break them through. We come against all the things that the enemy would try to bind you up in, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Thank you. Amazing. Ooh. John, what an awesome, awesome testimony. What an awesome night. I would love to have you on again in the future. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. What is John Rutke doing now? You're still, run you're still running strong here years later. Oh, dude. Um, maybe talk about yes. a little bit about the events yes. or where they can find you guys. Yeah, we are doing the Jesus Gathering. Uh, you can find us on thejesusgathering.org. We're doing an event down here in San Diego. Uh, it's like free. Uh, you just come. We're going to do three days, but we require everybody fast for three days before you come into it. It's during Easter. And so it's going to be that Good Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Easter Sunday. Um, it's powerful. It's, you know, God moves. It's just an amazing time. Um, you just sign up on that, thejesusgathering.org. Uh, so we've been doing that. We've been doing them all over the country. It's been very powerful. Uh, we've got, um, I'm doing house churches. We've got a podcast, uh, Jesus Movement 2.0. Uh, the kids help me put everything together. I have no idea what we're doing. You know, <laughs> Come just, on. Yeah, dude, if I wasn't for the kids, I'd just, I'd be I lost. I'd be on my iPhone it. doing this, you know, FaceTime. Yeah. So, you know, the kids are making it work for me, so. But we're excited and the Lord's on the move and just excited to meet you, Isaiah. Awesome. Well, man, I'm so excited to have you on. Guys, make sure you check out the Jesus gathering.org and then they have also a youtube channel i'll link the youtube channel and the gathering right after this in the description the jesus movement 2.0 so make sure you check out that youtube channel where the podcast is and we'll link it all down below john thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight isaiah what a joy brother awesome. so proud of you man thank you man bless we'll talk you. soon thank you so much Ble bless everybody talk to you guys awesome. later all right god bye bless bye. thank you wow 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 thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the revival lifestyle podcast if you like what you heard go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on facebook youtube and instagram at isaiah saldivar see you next week